I'm Rachel Friedman. And I'm Tara Morgan. Here at Steady State Podcast, we are really interested in backstories, the experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. By sharing stories about the humanity of our sport, we're disrupting the narrative about rowing culture and celebrating real life experience from launch to cock seat at every level. If you're a first time listener, welcome. If you're coming back for another episode, thanks so much for being here. On the last episode of Steady State Podcast, we talked with Donna Peely, whose childhood desire to play sports was restrained by the need to help her immigrant Filipino parents. She watched the 84 Olympic rowing on TV, but it wasn't until nearly 30 years later in an effort to retake control of her life that she learned to row. Since then, Donna's found community at ZLAC and San Diego Rowing Club and has traveled the world with Steering You Right camps. If you missed it, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or anywhere you get podcasts. Steady State Podcast is sponsored in part by Concept2, making world-class rowing products since 1976. Find out more at concept2.com and live Two row studios, live online and in-person indoor rowing classes, training camps, and coaching for every body. Visit www.live2rowstudios.com. The popularity of indoor rowing has exploded since the early days of the COVID pandemic in 2020. There's no denying there's a whole new rowing community coming together around the ERG, buoyed in large part by people who have never touched an oar or been in a rowing boat. On today's episode, we're talking with John Steventon, a gold medal and world record holding indoor rower who started to make rowing workout videos while rehabbing from an injury. During the COVID pandemic lockdown, John's Row Along YouTube channel soared to popularity, and today it boasts nearly 17,000 subscribers and hundreds of workouts. If you're looking for fun, imaginative rowing workouts, Row Along is for you. I'm John Steventon, founder of Row Along, and you're listening to Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. He is here. Hello. Oh, John. Can you hear and see me? Yes. Yes. The legend. The legend. (laughs) Good morning. So tell us where you are right now. I am in a small town called Lenzie on the outskirts of Glasgow in Scotland. How long have you lived there? Uh, well, I moved here when I was six from, I was born in Essex, so I'm so sh- I'm actually English, but don't tell anybody here. Um, Mom's the word. Yeah. So I consider <laughs> myself Scottish is the, the best way to put it. So, uh, I like yeah, that. So, and I kind of lived in, in, in and around this kind of area ever since I was six. Wow, what a great connection. I love that. Because we're like 10, 10 miles one way. I'm in the centre of Glasgow with the bars and the fun and the stuff. 10 miles the other way, I'm in the hills and the highlands, and it's just gorgeous here. It's amazing. That sounds like a that. good spot to be. Listen, yeah. um, John, this is great. I'm really glad that you could be with us because I know that we were trying to do this last summer-ish, and we got as far as picking a date. I wrote a script, and honestly, Tara and I can't quite remember what happened and why we didn't end up talking to you. Do you remember? Was it our fault? <laughs> I think... To be honest, I think it was my spam filter that did it. I think the confirmation of the actual recording date ended up in my spam folder. And uh, one day I was just aimlessly looking at it. There's like four emails from you saying, we've got the date. We're gonna, here's your fill. Here's the yeah. form to fill out and stuff. 
And yeah. I was like, oh no. So it was, it was completely my fault. Um, oh, okay. Well, I forgot. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> we are putting together our next handful of episodes for this season. So we're really glad to get you in. It's nice well, time to actually having just had the world indoors happening as well to to have a indoor rowing episode so exactly i was actually wondering um if you were there or if you were connected to that event at all this year I, sadly no i mean oh I, I mean what one of my biggest goals coming out of 2017's crash bees was when we found out that it was good the world indoors we're going to go into this kind of roaming from place to place thought right I'm going to aim for whenever they do Canada, that's the one I'm going to go for because I've got uh, relatives that live in Ottawa. So uh, my big game plan was right get into absolute all guns blazing shape for uh, for Toronto. And it just didn't happen just in terms of just how my how my body was feeling and having started training for high rocks and things that just ended up being that this just wasn't my wasn't my year. You know, there are there's so many big events now. And if if money was no object, I'd be at all of them. But there are some we just say we can't make it. And that's too bad. But when Saturday rolled around, and I knew that the World Rowing Indoor Championships was starting, and people that I know were there, and they were posting photos on social media, and they're getting really excited. I started having that massive like FOMO, fear of missing mm. out. Like, yep. I can't believe I'm not there. And it's yeah. pretty darn close to where I am. Yeah, yeah. Canada's, that's that's just right up the street from you. Manageable. 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 But hey, since we're talking about the World Rowing Indoor Championships, John, I was digging around through a lot of your old videos. And it was in my imagination, or did I once see you wearing a shirt from the 2018, the first World Rowing Indoor Championships in Alexandria, Virginia? Yes, yes, I ha I have the T-shirt, but sad sadly, I so sadly I didn't make that one. This is a kind of my my story is is a great curve, which kind of starts off. You know, yeah, I'm amazing. I'm successful. Yay, golds, and then it hit pretty much the 2018 uh, Virginia ones. Basically, I I when it came to to them, I was a week before the championships. I got hit by the bug from hell, and I could hardly get out of bed, and so I had to. Had to cancel kind of going over but for, i'd already paid for the t-shirt so i got the got the t-shirt and then it was like a month after that that i had a little bit of an accident with a knife where I, I cut my hand really badly and that kind of kept me off the machine for a couple of months and then uh that was at that point the kind of you know that you know the the real kind of cream top performance you need in order to be effective not the best but in that kind of top 10 best that that extra little bit it just i just couldn't get that back um having gone through the through the injury of cutting my hand and so that's why i've been kind of chasing getting back so i have the t-shirt from 2018 but unfortunately i don't have the ticket stub from 2018 all right well i was curious because i'm right across the potomac river in washington dc and i was at that event and not only was i at, at that event but i designed that t-shirt so oh, like wow. he's wearing it that's amazing oh, wow. yeah. it's amazing <laughs> it's a good t-shirt i mean as much as i miss crash b the t-shirts weren't very good from Crash Bees. Virginia 2018 one was a, it's a nice t-shirt to wear out. Although it must be said in Glasgow, it's quite dangerous to go into some places wearing a green t-shirt. Oh, that, yeah, it's like a turquoise green yeah. shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, be careful then wearing it. In my mind, there's so many things that I just, my brain just doesn't quite correlate with water rowing. But every time I see something that's focused lots on the water, I, I just kind of think, well, that's not me. And so I can tend to uh mostly just from embarrassment the fact that i keep on calling myself a rower and all i do is charge up and down on a on a concept too 
Well, there's actually a distinction that I've heard where there's a rower can be an indoor only rower as well as a boat rower uh, in the in the water on the water, but then a boat person is an oarsman or an yeah. oar woman. That's what I heard that from Kimberly Reynolds in Chicago. Wow. Either way, we consider you a rower, so welcome. And Thanks. to that end, on a scale of one to ten, how is your rowing week going? I'm actually, I'd say, uh, I'd say ten because. I've started back on a proper training for rowing program as of today. So in terms of my rowing enthusiasm and my drive to be a rower, I am back at the pedals and the metal in terms of everything's uh, focus. Having spent, I think from July last year until now, I've been focusing on this High Rocks thing. Um, have you guys heard of High Rocks? Oh, I watched. Yeah, can you yeah. tell us about it? Um, well, it's, so High Rocks is like a, it's like CrossFit, but standardized. Whereas CrossFit, you can enter in and you're suddenly doing all this random stuff. You're doing handstands or kips or whatever, and you never really know what the competitions are going to be. High Rocks is standardized. Every single event is exactly the same where you do eight one kilometer runs interspersed with, let me get this, I'll go as fast as I can, uh, uh, sled push, sled pull, burpees, which burpee broad jumps, and they just, they kill you. And then a 1K row, uh, farmer's carry, lunges, and then 100 wall balls to finish. And because there was a rowing element to it, I thought, you know what, I'm kind of, everything's kind of changed for me slightly. Because now that I'm 48, I literally just turned 48, all of my age bracket things, it's changed this year, of course, for the, the worlds, but I'm now, I was at the tail end of the 40 to 49 age bracket. And I was just getting my ass whooped by all these 40-year-olds. So in terms of the indoor rowing stuff, I had, for various reasons, backed off anyway, but um, I kind of backed off a little bit. But then High Rocks came along with the kind of the 45 to 49 inch bracket. And I'm like, well, I'm not that bad within that. So because it was something new, because there were other things that it was quite valuable to me mentally for as well, in terms of pushing myself in something differently. I guess it was just something different than cracking up and down doing 2Ks every every once in a while. Um, I really did fall in love with the, the High Rocks training. And so that's what I've been doing since July to get better and better at it. And then I competed in Manchester at the end of January. And then two weeks later, did the Glasgow one and managed to shave 13 minutes off my time. So it's like... Ooh. yeah I was I was really pleased at that but now there's there's nothing else high roxy happening for me until uh the end of October um and so this gives me like an eight month span to not only fall back in love with rowing again is in terms of spending more time on it but to fall back in love with performance rowing and that's what I was alluding to is that that's what had changed for me is that I'd stopped loving killing myself on a rowing machine and so the high rocks thing taught me to love killing myself when it came to performance again and now mm. even today in that it was like I did um two minutes on two minutes off at 2k pace and I loved it it was like oh this is great to, to chew into this performance rowing workout again was great so that's a long way of saying 10 out of 10 that's good I don't think we hear that often most people are eh, it's a three maybe it's a seven but yeah. a 10 is solid so I'm I also love i feel like we're kindred spirits um all three of us actually because tara and i talk a lot about falling in and out of love with rowing we've both had rowing in our lives for decades and i think because because that's the case we have often fallen out of love and have had to work our way back into it sometimes it's six weeks of a roller coaster sometimes it's six days i love it i hate it, I love it. you know and um, and finding 
new ways to be engaged with the rowing machine, especially for someone who's an on-water rower who like really just likes getting the oar in the water, pulling hard and moving a boat fast. Getting excited about being on the erg is for me getting more and more challenging over the years. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you because you've introduced a whole new way to get people excited about their rows. Well, for me, I, I, I could quite easily just sit on the rowing machine, put on some music and just poodle up and down and just kind of and put in a limp row and, and not really get anything out of it. it it's really, I, I've always talked about the lines you have to cross in order to do any kind of exercise. There's a first line you have to cross where it comes to just picking up your shoes, putting them on and starting, but then then there's that element of effort which then your heart rates up you're sweating and you're a bit uncomfortable and you're like oh hang on this is oh and that's what most people go to the gym for is that but then there's that thing of right now i'm going to really put in a lot of effort here and that's the first first line you have to cross in terms of i'm going to try today and i think if you can just get people over that hump from the the heart rates up into i'm going to put in some effort today that's when you start to see results you start to see your fitness improve, you start to see your speed improve, you can row for longer that day. If you're lucky enough, you can see, start to see your body changing because you're putting in that little element of effort. And then the next line becomes performance. And that's the one where you start to see, hey, well, hang on, I'm I'm climbing the rankings here. I'm beating people and I'm... And so, and I think that's the line that I dodge between. I can always sit on a rowing machine and put in some kind of a workout that is going to get my heart rate up. And I, it's, I know it's doing me good benefit and whatever but it's almost like you go oh i just i can't face that one today i know it's good for me but there's no reason for and even even though even though that one covers vanity which let's face it I, i'd much rather look good in the mirror than bad in the mirror but eventually there has to be a reason for me to push hard and whereas it used to be about gold medals and seeing my name at the top of lists it's ended up because i'm no longer at the top of the list it's ended up i need other things to claw for to reach for and so um giving myself other avenues to train reasons to do it which which not to skip too far ahead but that's kind of why i created roll Long in the first place was to give myself a reason to row so one of the ways that we help our listeners get to know our guests is we put you in the hot seat for a lightning round of questions we call rapid fire are you ready Concept two, RP3 or hydro? Concept two. Intervals or long distance workouts? Intervals. Music, podcasts, or movies while erging? Uh, Music, dead mouse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Barefoot or shoes on the erg? Socks, if that's allowed. That's actually a good alternative to barefoot. Why don't we do that? (laughs) All right. Calories, watts, or splits on your monitor? Uh, actually splits splits coffee before or after a workout (laughs) during uh before before that's it all right so tell us what was happening in your life when you found rowing right okay so i was a squash player when i was about 18 i actually we should go a little bit before that i was a a smoker and a drinker and a drummer right right before i was 18 and then i ended up working in a bar it was a sports bar and all my friends ended up being hockey players and squash players and and whatever so i was a long-haired drummer and i'd go out and and whatever and i thought ah you know what actually these are my friends i'd rather be friends with them so started playing squash and uh i obviously have quite a good underlying cardio system because even though I, I was smoking and um i was quite good at squash uh, and so started to train more and more and i needed some off the court 
training in order to improve my cardio because I was I was a slogger. I was rubbish. I couldn't really do much with the ball, but I could run after it and get it and get it and get it. So how do I increase this? And there was this little rowing machine sitting in the corner of the gym gathering dust that nobody was using. And I thought, I wonder if I'll do this. And so I'd sit down and I'd just bash out 5K in 20 minutes. I'd just sit there and go, la, 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 la. And so that was it. So squash, 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 squash. Then when I hit run about 28-ish, so say 10 years later, um, I was just not getting that much better as a squash player. And I was standing on court, smacking balls around, and eventually completely ruined my shoulder from trying to improve my skills because I wasn't getting any fitter. And so the only thing I could do was skills. And I ruined my shoulder. Went, went to see a doctor and he said, you can either learn how to play with your other arm or you can stop playing squash. And I went, mm-hmm. okay, I'll stop playing squash. And so uh, then I went back to, to drinking, but not smoking, it was fine, and, and eating and started to kind of just grew in weight. And so I got to, I was nudging, uh, oh, I don't know what the, the pounds thing is, but it was, I was around about almost 17 stone, which I think is of what, about 230 pounds-ish? I've never known what a stone equals. I have to look it up every time someone says 14 stone. 14 pounds, 14 okay. pounds. So I think it's, uh, I, I was, yeah, I, I was, Definitely between 100, 110 kilograms, if that's the world that you're working in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was growing uh, exponentially because I was just, yeah, I, I wasn't doing any exercise at this point. I was just eating. And so I um, thought I need to, need to exercise. And so got into cycling. Uh, and so I was cycling in and out of work. And that was kind of helping wherever. And then I ended up through my work. Um, uh, the Commonwealth Games uh, is kind of the, the Commonwealth alternative to the Olympics. It's like kind of it's this big event. And I was making the television output for that. So there was a guy going around the world with the Commonwealth baton, the equivalent of the Olympic torch. There is a point to this. And a sports presentery type, an adventurer called Mark Beaumont, who had made a television program about rowing to the Atlantic. And I had to teach him how to edit because just in case something happened on his worldwide trips, uh, he'd be able to do it. So I spent some time with him at his house and saw a concept too in the corner of, of his house. He was a cyclist. I was a cyclist. So we'd bonded already. So we're, we're talking about this and he's like, yeah, yeah, I made this program rowing to the Atlantic. Um, but actually now that I'm done with that, uh, I, I don't think I'll ever row again because quite frankly, I find it's boring. <laughs> I started to think, you know what? This cycling thing's all very good, but I've got great legs, but a puny upper body. And I said to him, said, would you sell it? And he's like, okay. So I bought his rowing machine. So then suddenly I've got my own concept too in my house. And then that shifted me from the cycling to rowing, especially because I just had kids. If you want to go out on a Sunday morning and go for a bike ride, it takes you about five hours to go for a bike ride to get anything out of it. Um, And suddenly I've got this rowing machine in my garage, which I could walk out to, do my 20 minute 5K that I used to do as a squash player. And I'd be lying on the floor afterwards in a a puddle of sweat. And I've got kids that don't want to lose their daddy for five hours. And I'm like, this is great. Then, uh, then I uh, there's a little card that came in it saying uh, logbook concept to logbook. I'm like, what? This, you can go online with this now. This is amazing. So I kind of typed in concept two and teams and competitions and stuff. Found not only found RowPro for the software point of view that you could then I could connect my machine to row with other people, but also found the Free Spirits online rowing team. I had no idea that this world existed. So I kind of typed in join. And so uh, there I am, recess, my DJ persona suddenly has got a a rowing persona as well. And so I said, hi, everyone, uh, and and started to say, what should I do? And they're like, oh, row a 2K, tell us what your time is. I'm like, okay, so I rowed a 2K. And it was about 7.10, I'd say, was my first ever 2K. So I had fitness-ish, I was kind of whatever. 
And someone replied, how old are you? And I was 39 at the time. And they're like, okay, how heavy are you? And I'd managed to get down to about 82 kilograms. And so uh, somebody said, you realize if you just, if, if seven kilograms is still quite a lot to, to lose. But like, if you can lose seven kilograms and get a little bit faster as you hit that cusp is turning from 39 to 40, you could be kind of quite handy. You could get up there into the top kind of tens or whatever. And I'm like, challenge accepted as I start to train harder and whatever. And so, and so then that then lit a fire onto me. I think the, the squash player competitive side of me um, has always been that fierce, I want to be good at something, has always been part of me. And suddenly someone said, put slot A into tab B. And you could be, you could actually have your name on something. Oh, fantastic. And so I just put my head into this. My first ever race was the, the 2014 Scottish Indoor Rowing Championships, which I entered the 1K and the 2K. And this is the fact, no idea what's going on. I'm wearing a Van Halen t-shirt and a, uh, <laughs> a, a pair of toweling shorts or whatever. I don't know what's going to go in here. What? I just, what? Okay. No, and so um, it was only me, sadly, in the the one k, but I did win it, <laughs> so, so I didn't lose. Fair enough. Yes. <laughs> so, Congrats. So, yeah, thank you. So I got the gold for the gold for that, and then the open two k, um, I won as well, and there was more people, more people in that. I'm like, this is incredible. I've I've won. I've won gold. Standing up to get my gold medal, but then it turned out that the student open that happened later in the day they rolled into the open open. And so I came like 11th in the end, which I still think is quite unfair. That, but I wasn't... There are two distinct categories there. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Because I, had I seen other names on the monitor when I was rowing, I might have tried a little bit harder. But mm-hmm. to be honest, I think they won it. In, I think the winner, the winner did it in like seven, sorry, 620. And I think I did 644. So I would never have won anyway. But still, okay. it's a sore point. So I appreciate you, you agreeing with me there. But anyway, and so so that my first race, I'm I'm a lightweight, and this is still in the 30 to 39s because I hadn't hit 40 yet. And I'm like, this is amazing. And so the crash bees were then four days after my 40th birthday. And I was like, so the, the, what the free spirits guy had said about you could actually end up in top tens or whatever. I'm like, oh my God, you they were they were they were right. I actually am getting some kind of metal work for this. And I just threw myself into rowing just to try and get faster and faster and faster. Went to the Crash Bees in 2015 and came fourth. So mm-hmm. went all the way from Scotland to Boston to come to not bring any metal work back. But um, it was still incredible. To go to the Crash Bees and come fourth was still absolutely amazing to, to look back on. And that really was what lit the fire under me for indoor rowing from 2015 to in terms of really hammering it hard, I say until the beginning of 2018. So I had like a three, four year period where my world was indoor rowing and, and nothing else. Steady State Podcast is sponsored in part by Breakwater Realty Group, serving Maine and New Hampshire. Breakwater Realty Group is defined by integrity, service, and expertise. Breakwater challenges you to create a vision for your life and love where you live. Visit the team at breakwaterrealtygroup.com. Breakwater Realty Group, the evolution of your real estate experience starts here. In two, we're back with John Steventon. That's one, two. So you're going to these indoor rowing events and 
Uh, I think it wasn't until the last 10 years that CrossFit rowers started to participate in these kinds of events. We would start to see CrossFit or rowing studio athletes go in non-water rowers. What was your takeaway of the rowing community in your first goes and the Scottish and the English indoors? It's a good question, actually. Um, it didn't feel like it was a gym. It wasn't a gym bro world. It wasn't like mm. I felt I was in amongst rowers rather than it being gym people. Um, I saw lots of Navy. I mean, to the point that if I if I was there as a 16 year old and I, I went to something like that, I'd have joined the Navy instantly mm. off the back of, of them because just seeing these huge Navy guys that were just smashing, I was like, my God, you guys are incredible. Are you aware, were you aware of being a non-water rower when you showed up at these events and kind of what was your mentality and philosophy about that? Was it a concern to you or were you just like, I've, I've got this. I know my numbers are good. And were they heavily recruiting you if they were water rowers? They were saying, oh, you should try this on the water. Did When was the first time you heard ergs don't float? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be right. So I'll, I'll try and remember that the first of those and I'll, I'll flip them around. So what, when I came back from Boston coming forth, I called Scottish Rowing and said, hey, guys, hi. I just came forth in Crash B. And they went, great, bye. No interest at all in me. What were you what? hoping to get out of that call? Well, that's the thing. That's the, I, I, don't, I don't know whether I was hoping for support in terms of, uh, hey, why don't you come down to the boathouse? Um, we can maybe see what you're like. Do you want to try on the water rowing or whatever? But there, there was nothing. It was like it, it, there was zero interest at all. Maybe it's because I'd said I was 40 and they're like, well, we don't need another blooming master. I mean, what do we need that? If you were 15 and six foot six and, and smashing your two Ks then. But yeah, I was quite surprised by the lack of interest. I, I do think, and, and I see this a lot, that On the Water has the unloved cousin of indoor rowing where it's just, it's something you do over the winter. I think actually British rowing are, are even though they could do a lot more, British rowing are fantastic for what they do in terms of, generating and pushing indoor rowing as a thing the fact that they have uh, that they make their own kind of row along style videos but so then the first question of that was that so when I turned up and I saw that I was this kind of this guy that used a rowing machine and surrounded by what I thought were these um I, I didn't feel alienated the only thing that kind of made me feel alienated was that I didn't know anybody I was there on my especially crash B I was there on my own I kind of didn't speak to anybody for two days really because mm -hmm. I was I, I didn't know anyone there. And then I was kind of like got on road, had no one to support me. But the great thing was I didn't feel like I was unloved because I was just just a, a, an erg warrior rather than actually on the water. Well, I just think I think it's interesting. Like one of the things that we consider uh, one of the big bonuses of joining a rowing club and being on the water is the physical proximity to other people mm. and you see so much of the indoor rowing community being a guy in his basement or a guy in his garage or a gal in her basement and where where does the community piece play into it for you like going to competitions and meeting and seeing your friends doing things like high rocks and then building this row along uh, community essentially online right yeah so what really kind of got me into that side of thing and opened my eyes to it was when I left Free Spirits and joined another team called Fitness Matters. I got to, to know Sam Blythe, who ran Fitness Matters quite well, just from he, he was really canny in terms of what he did with the indoor rowing market, where uh, he created his own, one of the first Facebook groups 
which brought people together on Facebook for indoor rowing. You had, I think the Concept2 community was happening, but he made the Concept2 indoor rowing hub. But then he released a free plan, a free 2K or 5K plan, I think it was at first, for people to do. And everybody jumped on this free plan because suddenly someone's giving away their knowledge for free. Ah. And so he gen- he created a massive community on Facebook. And then he also had his own team. I'd, I'd followed his plan and I'd got faster. So I'd, I was like, hey, this is great. This is amazing. And so within his team, it's not just a, like Free Spirits was an internet chat, PHP for a forum. There we go, forum rather than being Facebook, which is just a little bit removed. And so the Facebook thing worked anyway. But then Sam ran his own event, which people would, his fitness matches people would go to. And then I went to the British Rowing Indoor Championships and there was like a team, it was like 20 of his team there that we all knew each other from online. And then suddenly we got together and then the English Indoor Rowing Championships, there was like 10, 15 people there. And even he, for the Scottish Indoors, he and a couple other people traveled all the way up to here. So to kind of keep me company when I race. So suddenly you've actually got a real world community that was growing, even though it was based on 95% of the time I was in my garage on my own rowing machine. The internet had actually grown itself into a really good community. So I didn't feel like I needed to go into a boathouse around the corner. I can just wander into the garage. I can jam into RowPro. There's a RowPro session set up by Fitness Matters. All my Fitness Matters buddies are all there. And then, yeah, well, hey, we're, we're off. We're rowing together and we're all to chat afterwards and posting screenshots and things. And so my time with Fitness Matters is what showed me that actually there is an online community that can be nurtured and built. And there's people there that if you can try and give them something that they, that a subsection of the internet are interested in, then maybe you can build your own niche. Unfortunately, when it came to eventually building Row Along, I found a niche of people that wanted to listen to a guy just talking absolute rubbish while he's rowing a workout. Well, I think it's been really interesting over the last few years, especially since really the start of COVID in 2020, that shifted a lot of people's perspectives on indoor rowing. I think even Tara and I kind of had these aha moments where we realized that this is bigger than we thought and that the community has grown exponentially, I think, because of non-oarsmen, people looking for a new workout, especially during COVID, they were looking for a community that they couldn't find at the gym, at a boathouse, because they just couldn't, couldn't do that. And so, like you were saying, you have a team, you have a community without being a part of a rowing boathouse, or even without seeing your teammates face to face on a regular basis, but you know that you'll meet up with them at, at an indoor event. Yeah. And, I, and, and that's what eventually I hope is going to happen with Row Along is that I'll get a chance to kind of meet up with people. What's interesting though, is I don't know what's happened on your side of the world, but over here, post COVID, it's, it's imploded. It's just really? gone. Yep. So the, the British Rowing Indoor Championships this year, if you if you wind back to 2000, what, what 2019 was the last one, I think. Is that right? There's 1,500 eight entrants, 1,800 entrants. This year they had to cancel it because there was, wasn't enough interest. Hmm. Scottish Indoor hmm. Championships cancelled, not enough interest. Welsh, English cancelled, not enough interest. Wow. Everyone's scratching their head thinking, what's happened? This something that was really growing strong and everybody was getting excited. Men's Health was writing about indoor rowing being, oh, this is the future. And it's just gone. And (laughs) I don't know whether it's that 
there's an element that where people would go to these events where the brick had 1800 people turning up to it. now that it has this virtual element to have sitting in your garage i think there's going to be this subsection of people that does now no longer trust racing because it's I, I, I certainly know I'd rather be on a on a race floor racing next to somebody than I would virtually just because it's there's something about the excitement of being on the on the race floor that you can't replicate even I can have dead mouse as loud as I want in my garage and I can I can suck all of the air out of the room to make it as dry as one of the race floors but it's still not going to feel the same so I think something over here happened as much as I was just talking about how strong the indoor rowing hub was, the the excitement about it seems to over here anyway have kind of tripped off. And I can even see row along for me, the the viewing went right up over COVID and it's now evening off again where I think lots of people that had bought rowing machines to kind of keep themselves happy over over lockdown, you're now seeing them on Gumtree and Craigslist and Facebook Mm. Marketplace where people are selling them again. So something has happened where looking at what's going on in the States, it doesn't look as though it's imploded for you guys the way it has over here. What I'm curious about is, are you seeing less people in the log books as well as less people at competitions? Or are people still working out, do you think, but they're just not wanting to travel and they just want to compete in virtual challenges. There's that piece. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. I've not I've not looked at that to see if the, the names and the logbooks are still are still as strong and it's just it's just the chatter. It's the maybe it is just people who are just lone lone warriors now rather than wanting to get into communities and races. Maybe it's there's lots of other alternatives that people have found. I mean, yeah. look, going back to High Rocks, last year's Birmingham event had 700 people turn up to it. Nice numbers. This year's Birmingham event had four and a half thousand people turn up to it. And you've got to figure that that's that the people who are just looking for the latest, newest thing, which is what indoor rowing was for a while. A lot of them are kind of like, again, traveling groups of people looking for the next new thing. To be honest, I don't know. Well, I also think there's a factor of Peloton putting on a machine in hydro entering the yeah. market, which mm-hmm. changed the indoor home, indoor rowing experience such that you didn't need to leave. You don't need to go find someone. You can go row in, or bike in Iceland or row in, you know, wherever you want to be. I don't have a, an issue with Peloton per se, apart from the fact that they seem to be aimed at people who think they can buy their way into fitness. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. that kind of if I spend three and a half thousand pounds on this rowing machine and fifty pounds a month, then therefore I must be getting fitter. I'm just going to pay this money and I'll sit in the corner. I I just feel like they're preying on on that side of people. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just jealous that they can that they're that it's working for them. I'm thinking, how on earth are they finding all these people to pay this kind of money? When but you also think a concept two is built to last and it has all of this stuff to connect to it that you don't need to be spending three and a half thousand plus. So Tara and I had the opportunity, we were at the Head of the Charles Regatta in Boston in October, and Hydro was showing off their machines uh, at a bar of all places, but at a bar. And so we went to this bar with uh, some of our teammates and Hydro had a couple of machines out. And, you know, I think we'd both been kind of poo-pooing it for a while. We never had been on one. We're like, ah, the big monitor and it's all (laughs) hoity-toity. I have to admit, I got on it and I loved it. (laughs) Um, It felt really different than the C2, even though the C2, I will, you know, that's my go-to. I I, I love it. It's a workhorse, but the hydro definitely offered something I wasn't expecting. It felt more like rowing on the water. 
And it was exciting to have a monitor in front of me with a really, you know, vivacious, excited instructor pushing me along. But this leads me back to you and your videos because you offer the same thing and I'm not paying you a cent. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, although I'm slightly, like I said, I'm slightly less bombastic than the, most of the guys and girls that you'll find on Hydro and Peloton, but yeah. It's a different, it's a different level and that, and, and that works. I mean, not every, let's talk about this, right? You have developed a style, a coaching style. Um, am I right that you are a certified Concept 2 instructor? Yeah, and quite amusingly, if you want to say that, my certificate is through Dark Horse, who are obviously one of my, well, I'd say main, I don't have a competition because I'm too small. But if I was to say I had a competition, it would be Shane at Dark Horse, mm -hmm. who I love to bits. But yeah, I am a Concept 2 certified uh, instructor. I'm wondering, when you developed Roll Along, like you can see the progression from your videos, I went all the way back to the end of your playlist. And to see the difference in not only your demeanor and your presentation and your editing skills and your and your judge, as I call it, till now, when you started that to now, how has your audience changed? Like who is the audience for Row Along now? So it's a good point, actually. So when I when I first started, it was just as an idea. It's like I want to I want to help people. I came up with an idea that surely this is something that people would want to do is just to have something to to row along to. Weirdly, I I, I originally called it push don't pull, which um, was actually one of Shane's. If you know Dark Horse, mm -hmm. they're push push don't pull, and so that's why I originally called it a, a, a massive mistake because I'm a little bit sheepish and embarrassed about, about using one of his phrases so so blatantly. Had I just thought roll along at first, then I then I would kind of save myself a lot of t-shirts that are sitting upstairs that, are, that I can't wear anymore. First off, I just thought, this is maybe this has worked. And you'll see, if you look at the timestamps, they were very sporadic. I'd make a couple of them. I'd use the guy's um, CrossFit gym to make, make them in. And then eventually his place got condemned because the roof was falling in. So I couldn't make them anymore. And it kind of, that kind of, fell in with me going, oh, I don't know, I'm not really getting that many viewers. And I think it's because I was phoning it in. I was kind of just going, oh, here's a, I kind of, I almost thought I was professional. I think that's what it came down to is I thought I, I was like, hi there, welcome to our free. And, and, and so it, uh, people watched and I got a few people saying this is enjoyable, whatever. But then um, about a year after I'd made the first couple of them, I was, I was making sausage pasta one night and uh, I, I wasn't able to cut through a sausage because my knife was blunt. And I thought, I'll sharpen the knife. And the knife sharpener I had was a, like a knuckle duster. So you held onto it in your hand and you went juk, 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 across the, the knife to sharpen the blade. You can imagine what happened. Yeah, the knife flicked out of the sharpener. And so basically I'd, I'd punched the side of a freshly sharpened meat knife and like my, my middle finger was hanging down and I'm like mm, I think I've made a, a boo-boo here and I'd cut right through the tendon right into the knuckle capsule and oh. whatever so uh that was bad so I, I in hospital um they had to sew my finger back together and I was in the cast for a good few weeks and so there endeth all my gold medals and my the world record everything I had in one little slip of a knife went because I was like, right, now I have to build back up again. And I remember the physio saying to me, please take it easy. Just let yourself build back. Don't go straight into trying to think you can row a 2K. Because she would say, say to me, like, how do you row? And I'm like, oh, fingers hooked over the handle. And like, she's like looking at me with horror at what's going to be happening to my tendon. So she's, please just take it easy. And then I thought, well, 
how do you take it easy on a rowing machine? And mostly it's by being completely out of breath. Because if your cardio's gassed, you can't go hard. How do you how do you make that happen? Well, you can either row really fast, right, which I can't do because my hand's gone. I can hold my breath, which is a very good way to train, or you can do nasal breathing, which is a very good way to train. Or you can talk while you're rowing. And then I thought, well, I've made those videos before. So how about I do this? And so I thought, just row a session and film yourself. Just talk away. Talk as though you're someone's friend. And that's when the whole idea of just row along with me. Let's climb on a, on a rowing machine and just row along with me. And by just backing off and not thinking I was a rower anymore and just using this as a way to rehab myself back up and almost put myself into the place of the people who'd be sitting down and rowing. Because when I was doing the stuff in the CrossFit gym, I was winning golds and I was training to go and, and get the 100K world record and stuff. So I still had delusions of grandeur at that point that I was I was actually some kind of a rower. But then I knocked off my pedestal and I'm, I'm rowing at kind of 220 pace as the fastest I could manage at that point because my hand was gubbed. And I think it just, I found my niche from that point that then the people that started to watch were people that just wanted someone to keep them company on a row. Yeah, I, I, I get a few performance people that still turn up, but I think the largest demographic for me are people who just want to row and cross that line into performance, but not that kind of peak performance thing that they just, they want to push themselves. So I tend to find it's like in the 40 plus age groupers that I've got it's like I, I do get a lot of kind of 60 plus people that are like oh it's just it's great just to have company and that's why I, I kind of want to be like the rowing buddy I just want to be as though I'm sitting next to them talking rubbish to them while they're while they're rowing and, and of course I talk technique because you need to kind of keep people on but I like I say once I moved away from thinking I knew what I was on about and just started to just talk then that's when I saw my channel grow. Because there doesn't need to be another Shane. There doesn't need to be another Dark Horse or another Training Tall or another Cameron Buchan because they're really good at what they do. What I found is there was a tiny niche for some idiot Scotsman to fill and I filled it perfectly, so. Steady Seed Podcast is made possible with listener support. Become a patron today for early access to episodes, discounts on swag and invitations to patron-only events. Find out more about support levels and benefits at steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. Yeah, and you can tell actually the tone of your voice and the way that you use your voice changes from the first videos to the newer videos. You're very serious in the first ones. Well, here we are. You know, we're going to do this thing. And now you're like, I had a cookie. Let's <laughs> roll off a cookie. And it's so refreshing. This yep. morning, I, I sat down and I rode along to the sea cave video. Oh, nice. Um, and I have to tell you, this was an incredible, mind-blowing moment for me because I have never been that imaginative on the erg or while coxing a boat or while rowing in a boat. So you've got us rowing off of a dock and into a cave and like the first way that you get folks excited for a 15 second sprint is dealing with fast moving water, like much faster moving water than we would ever find in a flat water boat. And I was like, huh, what would it be like if I was actually out in a boat having to work against this current? And I thought that was really clever. And then you kind of take us through this dark cave and 
piranhas. I think the piranhas were the best part and push <laughs> away from the piranhas, you know, and it's like, it's silly, but it's imaginative in a way that I personally really needed and really appreciated. It's just really refreshing and a completely different way of thinking about the training and rowing. And I didn't even look at my splits, like the entire piece. I just did the work. I rode mm-hmm. along. I was sweaty when I was done. It was great. Yeah, which is really what I want. I just want people to to climb on a rowing machine and do a workout uh, that they may not have otherwise done. That they they have a little bit of variety rather than sitting down and doing just fifteen minutes at twenty two and a half strokes a minute and putting in absolutely no effort. So I'll I'll try even on the sea caves one. I think I still kind of say remember and push with the legs and it's all you you get the power into your oar by doing it just to try and help people along a little bit. But yeah, the, the, those row along adventure ones are are really out there to try and just. It's like I'm making them for my kids, if nothing else, is that uh, I imagine that they'd enjoy that rather than me saying, right, 2K plus 15 or whatever, because I know there's there's loads of people out there just like, 2K plus what? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I love the the imagination. It's just so fun. It makes it so fun. Good, good. I mean, even if just the two of you are saying that, then my job is done. If only two people in the world like it. I would have, (laughs) because the whole point is that I would have rode that workout anyway. Yeah, and, and this is what it really comes down to. It's like people are like, how do you have time to do this? And it's like, well, because I just film my training sessions. It's not like I do this and then I train afterwards. And the, the only mm-hmm. real compromise is that, like the one I, I did today, I kind of said, of course, I'm probably going about two seconds slower because I'm talking the whole time. But the fact is, is that the cardio toll of talking your way through an entire workout, the cardio workout you get is incredible. Sure, I could be working a little bit harder on my, muscle, my muscles, but I can just do another, I'll do some squats tonight and I'll do that. So um, that's the only time really I can, I'll try and kind of oh, caveat it. But the rest of the time, I'm just having fun doing something that I'd be doing anyway and hoping that someone at home is having fun. And yeah. over the last few years, as you've been developing Rollong, you've had you've created a lot of different types of videos, everything from form check Fridays to 2K time trials, how to row off a cookie, which Tara mentioned before, and everything from beginner to kind of max intensity. Where are these ideas coming from for you? How are you developing the workouts? Really, what it is, I'm uh, so as as much as I I said I don't see Shane and Austin from Training Tall and whatever as competition per se. It's because they're huge, and what I'm trying to work out is why is a, a video from Shane getting one and a half million views, and when I make a, a similar, I'm not I'm saying I'm copying him, but it, like I made a, a beginner workout video and it got like. 5,000 views. He made a beginner workout video and it got one and a half million views. And I'm thinking, what am I missing here? So it's mostly, it's like I'm going through variety to try and cover a lot of bases for a start, to try and give people what they might want. Because I know there's going to be people out there that are like, they aren't going to type in indoor rowing workout best for 2K. They're just going to go good rowing workout. And if they see row off a beer, then it might make them go, oh, or if they see row like squash playing, I've got that one where it's like row like sport. And so I'm trying to give people what they might want, which is what, again, with the row along adventure thing, this is why I don't talk about pacing and stuff. I just can say, come and have some fun, climb on, row, we'll spend 20 minutes together and then you can go elsewhere. I'm just trying to create as much different content as I can for people. Plus, it must be said, right now, I think I've got around about 400 different workouts on row along. Eventually, I'm doing pretty much the same workout. 
a lot in terms of it's like the 30 minutes to 20 strokes a minute that pops up a lot. So the only thing really that can change is how I'm packaging it. Am I saying you're rowing off a cookie? Or the things that I say. The fact is I've got a, um, I've got a book somewhere that has pages upon pages of different ideas, different ways I want to make these videos. Like the things that I'm too embarrassed to think about, I just kind of go, ah, whatever, and I'll make a row along for it. It's like when, um, when I was a DJ, my, my DJ persona was recess. So recess would be the one that would go up and DJ in front of hundreds of people. It wasn't me. Because if he, met, if he messed up, it's fine. It was his fault, not mine. And so row along, John, is this guy that comes up with wacky ideas and talks nonsense in a row machine. And maybe actually the row along adventures are the only things I ever particularly, invert commas, script. And that I'll kind of, I know I've got to do a, a two minute warm up and then 15 seconds by. But everything that comes out of my head is just nonsense that's made up on the spot. Because I think, like you notice, when I tried to be a presenter on the earlier ones and tried to be a professional, they were rubbish. They were just, they, was, they weren't engaging at all. And so I think the more random and nonsense stuff I talk, I think the people who are find what I do engaging. They kind of they engage more with it and go, oh, great, he's, he's off on another one. What's he going to talk about today? Well, and you have the advantage, too, of being a video editor. And so you're able to create a really dynamic environment with green screens and with animation and, and graphics and things like that. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, talking about the, the CrossFit gym that I originally made them in, when that got condemned, it was the, the biggest gift to what I'm doing was that happening. So I think I, I may have removed the videos now, but there was like two or three videos where I made in front of like a curtain that I'd sprayed a big PDP on it for the push don't pull and, and whatever. And even when I was making them and uploading them, I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't going to work. And then, and then it was one day, I think I was editing something at, at work that was green screen and it just clicked and I went, why the heck aren't I doing this? Why not? Yeah. So the first few I tried to get away with pretending that I was actually rowing inside a, a room next to like Glasgow Uni and whatever. But eventually I thought, you know what? No, nobody thinks you're actually <laughs> you're actually here. So over time, I've got better at doing the green screen. I've got the lighting better. And I think some of these now you could almost believe I was in this kind of basement or whatever. But it means I can for the roll on adventures, I can be in a spaceship. I can be in a, in a, a cave or whatever. So it absolutely opens up the world to me. Although I do have plans this summer, hopefully, to take the rowing machine back up into the hills and do more outside ones. Oh, yeah. Go find a good castle. Actually, there's one, there's one quite close. I'll get, I'll, I'll do that. I'll dedicate it to you if I manage to make oh, it. Oh, thanks. No, and then you can walk, <laughs> then walk up to it and like touch it and be like, not a green screen, yes. folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a green screen. Tap, tap, tap. <laughs> I'll do that. Because the, the, the Mugduk, Mugduk castle is quite close to here. So I'll see if I can get one done. And it's gorgeous, like old ruined castle. and oh. Totally. 100%. I would be there. Yeah. So I was wondering, you know, we, we've talked about um, your transition to getting on the ERG and how it helped you find new motivation, moving away from squash, getting in, into a rowing. I have a two-part question, which is what really clicked for you about rowing on an ERG? And what do you think is so special about the machine that you want to help motivate other people to use it? Oh, that's a good question. So for me, I think it's a, it's a relatively easy answer for the first one is that squash is all about anaerobic fitness. How, how long can you go at max four before you just you run out of energy and you can no longer chase down that ball? And I remember I said, as a squash player, my only skill was to run after the ball and go and go and go. So my anaerobic fitness, my like high end and just 
the unwillingness to stop part of me is, I think, what fed beautifully into rowing. And especially because, remember, it, when I when I first kind of really fell into it, it, I pretty much hit the ground running on 1Ks and 2Ks because someone said, this is what to do. So it was a long time before I was doing like 30 minutes and 20 strokes a minute low intensity. Everything I was doing was even row pro, I'd load up a 30 minute row and I'd go for it. And I'd be like rowing um, 8,200 meters or whatever in, in half an hour. Cause I was, everything for me back then was just really put in, put in everything. So it fed into my life as a squash player. Really, it worked for me. That's what my, my value is about anaerobic tolerance. If you want to, if that's the best uh, way to put it. But then for other people, I suppose I look at people when I go to the gym, I look at people on a cross trainer or a recumbent bike or um, on a treadmill reading a magazine. You just look around and go, you're just wasting your time. You're just, again, it goes down to that idea of trying to buy your way into fitness. Just moving your body isn't enough. But on a rowing machine, there's no real hiding. I mean, well, you see enough people, you know, it's, it, it, there is hiding on a rowing machine. There is quite bad techniquey people that you're like, oi. Which is kind of where I came from, why I talk technique quite a lot, is kind of say, if if you've got the right position and you're putting in the power, you'll instantly feel it. There's no, if you've got that forward lean arm straight and you push with your legs, instantly you're like, whoa, what happened there? And then you start to go, oh, hang on, now, now I'm making this go faster. So I think it's because of the feedback you get through your body when you're rowing, because that monitor's right in front of you, telling you stroke by stroke, you got that one right, you got that one wrong, because you can see your pace going up and down. If you care about what you're doing, the feedback is instant on the concept too. And then you get into the world of, as long as you're not doing something ridiculously stupid from a technique point of view, you're pretty safe from an injury side of things. It's not like if you go for a run, your knees are shot. If you um, if you go out for a cycle in the Highlands, you get hit by a car or a sheep or a, you get a puncture or whatever. So I think if you ask most people why they become evangelical about indoor rowing and concept two, they probably wouldn't be able to tell you why. It's that kind of, there's something that you do fall in love with that you just think... This is, especially from the point of view that, that it destroys you. It, it leaves you in a wreck. I mean, I had, after the, the English Championships in 2017, I had to get dragged away from the rowing machine because I couldn't walk because it had put so much in it. And then you think about it, and I love this, why? <laughs> and so, exactly. so I think that's the element of it. But I think it's, again, it goes back to the fact that in 20 minutes or 15 minutes or four minutes, if you do a Tabata session, you can absolutely ruin yourself on a concept too and, and go my, my day's training's done. You can go from that, or you can row a marathon and and just get into the fluids. It's like, have you ever tried rowing with your eyes closed on a concept two? Yes. That, it's wonderful because you just, that forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and you, it's like meditation. Yeah, yeah, I like to shut my eyes so that I'm not looking at the monitor and then you're listening, right? You're listening and feeling instead. Yeah, yeah we, had a, we had a guest on the podcast who's blind. Um, Dami Onafico, and he rose out of the Anacostia Boathouse, which is where uh, Rachel also rose. And Dami is well, like six, four, so tall. Yeah, from Africa. Tall. He's just amazing. But he said that the eyes closed rowing, we talked about that, like what's the feeling of rowing? And he said it's like what he calls the jolly, but it's like being on the swing at the playground. It reminded uh, him of this very childlike, soothing, rhythmic, I always loved what he said, that it just felt like when he was a child, you know, uh, on the swing. 
if you get it if you get it right it's like a dance it's i I've, I sometimes say it's like tai chi or, or dance or whatever whereas when you get people have a stroke rate where everything just falls into place and for for a long time for me it's been like 24 strokes a minute at around about 2k plus 12 mm-hmm. i could just do that forever i just mm-hmm. think everything just flows i just feel like there's, there's never a hiccup even at 20 strokes a minute, you have to just kind of slow and kind of get in and you can still be fluid, but you're, you're choking a little for 24 strokes a minute. I just, oh, that, that's my sweet spot that I, I can do. When I'm in really kind of cruising, if I'm in fit, really good fit shape and I can cruise for, you know, a good long piece. I like a 26, I like a 26 in the boat too, which leads me to my million dollar question. Have you tried rowing on the water? The only rowing on the water that I've done has been like a big wooden boat on a duck pond or whatever. I've not actually done proper. And then just like I say, I, the one time I ever thought about it was when I called Scottish Rowing after the Crash Bees. And when they showed no interest, I was just kind of like, all right, then and just moved on. Because it, it was like it was I was literally just dipping my toe in the water of would this be something I'd be interested in? And when I was so clearly dismissed, I went, all right, fine. And it wasn't like a well, you don't love me, so I don't love you. It was just like, well, I've got other things. I'm training for for whatever, so I don't need to. I was just, I'd, I'd be interested in it, but I also think I'd be rubbish at it. <laughs> so, right. well, did you say is there a boathouse nearish to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's Strathclyde Loch, which is near yeah. me, um, is where Scottish rowing are based, and that's where the European Championships must be 2019. They were held at Strathclyde Loch. Yeah, so I, I should really get in touch with them and, and give it a, a, a beginner's day out, shouldn't I? But so yeah, no well, pressure. I just I just think that no, if you were to no. do a, if you were to do a learn to row, just to feel it and get that sensation, I think you might love it. There's no you don't have to stick with it, but just to know what it's like to be in a boat and uh, see what they mean when we say ergs don't float, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first time I end up just going like that, and the entire boat goes whoop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you're in the water and it's great. And you get back in. <laughs> pick so, a, pick a so warm day. If I ask, <laughs> yeah. should, I, should I say sculling or, or should I say sweep? Oh, well, Rachel and I are both diehard sweepers. That'd be easy. I get the feeling I'd, I'd have less timing issues with that. Whereas the, the thought of having to hold on to two individual and that terrifies me. That's that's what we yeah, think too. Um, you know, <laughs> but people get into sculling because you can go out on your own and you don't have to worry about teammates and the schedules. You can just get out in a boat and go. Um, but I really like bigger boats and sweep rowing because the with your team, you're moving boats pretty pretty fast. Listen to more episodes about everything from indoor rowing to rowing across oceans. Search the podcast archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast dash topics or listen on your favorite podcast app. So we put a call out to our listeners and said, hey, does anybody have any burning questions or want to say anything about Row Along? Um, We have actually a recorded uh, response from a rower here in Seattle who took my Learn to Row class. Hi, this is a Bill bonus with Mount Baker Rowing and College Club in Seattle, Washington. I first came across John's videos at the beginning of the pandemic when the boat houses were closed down and I was looking for some workout inspiration. I have an erg at home, but I wasn't really motivated at the thought of just sitting down and putting in a bunch of meters by myself. So I started searching the internet. I found a few different workout programs on YouTube, but was especially drawn to this guy 
who had a great Scottish accent, talked a lot about proper form, and <laughs> kept his shirt on. Um, he wasn't asking for any money or for me to join anything, and this felt really approachable. His videos quickly became my go-to outlet for rowing in those early days, and I sort of came to think of him as that rowing buddy or the coach who's there. And even though you know I've been back on the water for a while now, rowing in, in singles, uh, I still default to John's YouTube channel when I erg at home. Um, and for that, I am extremely grateful of all that he's done and all that he continues to do. So thank you. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it, the the response I got through the COVID thing never really touched on a kind of thanks for giving us something to keep us uh, motivated and whatever. But part of the reason I made so many of them was to try and kind of help anybody that was out there. I did kind of at one point think, wonder if this actually is helping anyone. And the beauty about not being as big as Training Tall and Dark Horse is that I'm able to reply to pretty much anybody that gets in touch with me, certainly through email. But when someone emails and says, thank you so much for what you do, I'm able to reply to them because I don't, I'm not overwhelmed by, by that side of things or the Facebook group and, and whatever. So, uh, um, but actually I've not really had someone kind of put it in that terms of like, thank you for, for, for being there for a COVID point of view. So it's, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's weird. When I was doing the High Rocks race in Glasgow, I must have had about 10, 15 people come up to me and say, oh, I've watched your videos on rowing and it's really helped, helped my stroke. And I actually find it kind of, kind of a little bit like, oh God, people watch. Is it when, it suddenly <laughs> becomes, when it suddenly becomes real and I realize that Row Along John isn't actually another guy, it suddenly mm. gets a little bit kind of, oh, crikey, it's, and I start to get a little bit, ooh. I mean, it's lovely. I mean, I was, again, it was yeah. a pre-race for High Rocks and I was walking around and people were saying, oh, thank you. So, oh, wow, wow. And then you get to have a chat and you connect to people and and, and you realize that, yeah, if nothing else, if, if ever I get a chance to give up work, I think I can probably travel the world going for lunch and having beers with all the people that have said, next time you're in Seattle, come out for a beer. Yeah. And next oh, time yeah. You're in oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the great thing about this community. And I, and I think you'll find that in a lot of communities is that, we all have the same goal in mind. We all want to be fit and active and healthy and um, and bring along people with that go along with us, you know, yeah. who uh, need to find that kind of community in their life. Well, we also had a question from a listener. Hi, Steady State. It's Brad Neumeyer checking in from Portland, Maine. I've been early in my basement since November of 2021, primarily for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu cross-training purposes. I felt for me, especially during the COVID times, it provided an excellent roadmap toward setting and achieving goals and obviously motivation. I did have one question that John could answer, or either of you, of course, it would be around your optimal pacing strategy for an hour of power erg. Well, the the last time I went for it, I, I think I did 16, just over 16,000 meters. I'm just trying to work out in my head what that would have been. So that would have been, what, 152 pace, wouldn't it? Which would have been... 2k plus 12 ish and i think i worked my way up to it by I, I did four dummy runs on it and what i did was i did race pace for two minutes and then backed off for a minute then race pace for two minutes and backed off for for a minute that's kind of how i did it the first time around so i could get used to that intensity but also gave myself the kind of the buy-in of like it's okay you get a minute break and also to be fair for a 60 minute row if you can break it into smaller chunks rather than looking at 60 minutes if you can just go two one two one you're never really thinking of 60 and a 60 minute 
is mostly in your head when it really mm. comes down to it. If you, if you, as long as you know you're fit enough to row at the pace you're rowing at, it becomes just, are you able to get to the end of a 60 minutes? So breaking it into smaller chunks is always helpful. So that's the, the first thing to say. But when it uh, comes down to pace, you need to kind of expose yourself to it and then learn to trust it, which is why I did the two minutes on, uh, one minute off. But then I started to play around with it by doing the two minutes on, one minute off. But then within the one minute, at a slower rate I then put in five power strokes and so I'm then mm-hmm. telling myself you know what you've got this in you so you're, you're always cranking it up and making it a little bit tougher and, and teaching your brain that it, it can manage it and then it just comes down to in the end how do you want to attack it do you want to pace this so that you're going gradually faster throughout the whole row or do you want to just say you know what I've got 2k plus 12 in me here I'm going to start 2k plus 12 get to the end and then if if with three minutes to go i think or five minutes to go i think i've got more in me i'm gonna go faster and then you've always got room last 30 seconds of the row you've always got room for a sprint so you can always Mm -hmm. there's always room for ice cream no matter how full you are at dinner there's always room for ice cream i always talk about emptying the tanks you know somehow in that last minute you just get excited about finishing it and you just start thinking like for god's sakes makes this end make this end and uh you can find a few more seconds off that split when I used to do the hour of power at Northwest Ergomania, that was my favorite event. I love the slog. And what I did was I had, I tried to not look at the split because that's very psychologically damaging for me. I just know minutes and meters, like in a certain amount of minutes, I want to have gone a certain number of meters. And so you see the, the start to tick away, right? I would, every 15 minutes, I would actually reach down, grab my water bottle, take a drink, and then do like a power 10 or a power 20 to get back in and kind of make up for that little bit of lost time. And then it was a red line the last 15 minutes to the end, unfortunately, because I was going up against all these other people. And, you know, you go into one of those things uh, in a race scenario and you say, oh, it's just for me. I'm not going to race. I'm good. I'm just going to hold my pace. And then you see this person sitting 10 meters behind you and they're dogging you for like 15 minutes. Right. And you're like, God damn it. You know, <laughs> so the last 15 minutes, I'm like redlining to keep this girl off my, off my thing. And yeah, anyway, so, but my strategy was have some patience and compassion for yourself, but set goals that are, that feel fun and feel manageable. There are so many different ways to approach an hour, but I think one thing that's really important to understand is like your base split. A lot of people will sit down and have no idea where to start. And so they just start out the first 10, 15 minutes feel fantastic, right? It's like free. You just row whatever you want. It feels great. And you're like, let me see how long I can hang on to this. And then by 30 minutes in, you're like, oh, I'm not really sure I can maintain this. So I'm a huge believer and philosopher of knowing your splits at different lengths and different workouts. Some people might sit down and pull their 2K, so they have a 2K baseline. Sometimes it'll be a 1K, a 5, a 6K, whatever it is. But once you have one of those as a baseline, then you can do your math. And the math that I use and I think is pretty common is you add five seconds to your splits for each time you double the length of your workout. So let's say you do a 2K at uh, seven minutes. You do a 4K at a 7.05 and add and add. And that's how you can figure out a 60-minute workout split. And that's a good base to start from. But you're right, though. I mean, that's one of the, the things I get asked a lot is like, I'm about to do a 2K. What pace should I row it at? And I'm like, well, well uh, you just 
get down and row at a high intensity and then mm-hmm. see if you can go faster. And if you can't go faster, just keep on rowing at the same pace you are. And I'd yeah. just say it, it does take a few attempts to get to know what your body can manage. So mm-hmm. even if you do go out on a too fast and you have to back off, then that's your average time. And then right. two days time, do it again and start again. at that pace. See if you can hold it at that, which is kind of what you do. I think today's when I was recording, I was saying about how, because uh, it was the eight, eight times two minutes or two minutes off, I was saying some people use this as a relative calculation for what their 2K pace might be like. But in the end, if you want to know your 2K pace, row a 2K. Yeah. There's no... There's no maths here. So again, for the hour of power, row it. And then if you blew up 45 minutes into it, you went to, went out too hard. So back off next time. See if you can then give yourself latitude to be able to go faster towards the end and stuff. It's, it's, it, we all need to learn how to do this. We're interested in your story. If you've got something to share or want to nominate someone to appear on the show, drop us a note at submissions at steadystatenetwork.com. Quick, quick question though for, for both of you do you prefer, do you prefer yeah. to be chased or do you prefer to chase oh chase well you said chase chase yeah well i would also say chase just because i'm rarely in a position that i am chased i'm i'm quite small i'm a lightweight rower on an erg when i sit down with my teammates i'm one of the slowest i have one of the slowest splits i'm 5 foot 2 and a half i'm not lightweight so i'm rarely being chased um but i do like to chase and that is something i've actually heard about from some professional athletes that the psychology is if you have to chase you will work harder the flip side is I have been in boats that have been in the lead in races and sure you want to push off the boats behind you. You, you want to hold them off. Um, that's a long way of saying I I'd like to chase. Yeah. So <laughs> interesting thing, John, about rowing is that we're going backwards. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you actually see the people chasing you, mm-hmm. you see their backs. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really different mentality. Cause you're like that. We call it holding them off. Yeah, we say hold them off, hold them off, and then when you're the person who's coming after a boat ahead of you, you you can't see them. You can maybe hear them a little bit, but the your coxswain or your driver, your coxswain is urging you on like a jockey. Yeah, yeah, you know. (laughs) And then you do this thing called called hopefully you do this thing called walking. And so if you're the boat being chased, you and you're chasing this boat, you walk past them so it's right. it's like let's go for a walk it's one of my favorite coxswain commands of all time yeah and it's like, and you so say, let's go for a walk oh, you know you're just like freight train yeah. so it's funny because we're going backwards we can't actually see who yeah. we're chasing but we can see who's chasing us yeah there there's something exciting about both things especially on the water about chasing and being chased when you're when you're being chased like tara was saying you can see them so you put in a certain effort to hold them off but when you're chasing a boat down, you can't see them. And it's exciting when you reel them in and then you see them. And then there's that psychological aspect of, well, we reeled in a seat or two. Can we, can we get another inch and another inch and another inch? And that I find super satisfying. That's a great question. But and to be honest, it's yeah. something that I'd, I've never considered. I mean, I think yeah. that one conversation and uh, assault on Lake Casitas. Um, so those two things are now the most I know about on the water on the water rowing. Even asking the question, it hadn't even occurred to me that for you, 
being chased or chasing actually has a difference because of the, how you're facing and where you are. Whereas I just yeah. see all this from just names on a PM5 yeah. in front of me for, for yeah. chasing. So the most recently that I did any sort of live virtual racing was like last summer. And I guess it would still be, it would still be the chase. It was, where am I in the pack? Can I move up a spot? And I didn't really think so much about the people behind me. I was like, you're done. (laughs) You're gone. I've moved past you. And now I'm going for the chase. I've been lucky enough to have been in both positions where I've been the guy who is who who was the one for people to beat I, I was the guy who, who everyone oh john's here all right we're all racing for second then which was which was lovely um uh but then going to uh, it was the british championships one year when uh tim tim male is a, a guy same age as me um and light years ahead of me in terms of rowing performance so every time he turned up we'd all be like all right we're racing for silver then um yeah. and uh it was interesting the d- different dynamic in both races where to, to to have that kind of like oh i've got to stay ahead and people are chasing me and 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 that kind of nervousness about trying to be fast as opposed to right he's in front of me i'm just going to go for it i've got nothing to lose it's like you can you can be in second and just put everything into it and actually fall in your backside and come last because you tried so hard mm. and everyone will still look at you as a hero because you tried so hard, whereas you're in first place and you just bottle it and come last. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going, oh, you blew it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just a, the, the dynamic of being in both roles is always interesting to me. Yeah. Now I'm going to really be thinking about this a whole lot. There, there's a lot behind that question, actually. Want to add to your list a, your fast fire, your quick fire questions? Are, yeah, absolutely. I like it a whole lot. And me personally, I feel like I need to think about this a little bit and the, the chasing and that. being chased. Yeah. I want to, I want to add that because that's, that's a window into some people's philosophies about sport it is. and competition. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But now I, like, I just can't stop thinking about how I answered this question and like why I, I chase versus being chased. And I think I kind of like poo-pooed myself by saying, Oh, I'm like, I'm little, I'm a lightweight. Like I'm never, I'm never in the lead, but like, that's not actually true. Like I've been in, I've been on teams with other rowers my size and there's the there's like a give and take i think um mm-hmm. a give and take where you're pushing off of each other um not knowing if you're chasing or being chased you're just working hard against another rower i think that i think that's actually where i'd pinpoint it. it's like i just like to work hard against somebody else mm-hmm. they're probably going to kick my ass but if i can work hard against them that's where i get my motivation yeah 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 but then, mm-hmm. then with that in mind, I'd find it easier to be in a gym racing side by side with someone as like, uh, hey, Steve, come on with me. Let's have a little thousand meter race side by side. I currently fare a lot better in that than I would going to the World Indoor Rowing Championships and rowing. I think the, the, the yeah, the, the pressure of being in a race environment is for me anyway, got so much, uh, possibly because I was winning the golds and things that kind of idea of, of being at the front where now I'd love to sit side by side and, and race someone side by side. But the idea of going to indoor race currently begins to the point of my high rocks training where I stand right now, I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm terrified of that. But the whole point of doing this is so that come the next indoor rowing season, I'm going to hit the ground or at least I've just turned 48. So in two mm-hmm. years time, my plan is when I hit 50 is that's my, my big comeback um, for the racing mm-hmm. thing. So I just passed the 50 miles, 50 mile mark. And, um, (laughs) 
I have to say, you know, it's you're at the cusp of uh, use it or lose it. And this is this is the do or die time to like find what makes you happy, find what keeps you active, find what motivates you and and find the community that goes with it at this point, because and do what your body allows. You know, we started off the year saying like we're committing to fitness and it's going to be our fittest year ever. And then Tara and I kind of got into it a few weeks in and we were like, this this is actually a lot. We're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to say like fittest year ever. Instead, it's do what our bodies allow because we are getting older. There are injuries you have to work around. We all have lives and jobs and things. So what is it this year? What are our goals this year? I'd like that you have a goal for when you turn 50. Go go for it. So that's my, my macro goal is 50 back to lightweight. Because again, I've, I've, the lightweight thing I've left go because of high rocks. I wanted to put on muscle and things. So I'm about 82 again. Um, uh, or 180 pounds, if that's how you work. So my, mac- my macro goal is to, when I'm 50, to come back into this. But my micro goals are all about, right, so I need to get my 2K time, regardless of weight, I need to get back to sub seven again. I need to work on my recovery. I need to, there's all these little micro goals that as long as as long as long I chip away, like if, if every month I take off another two seconds off my 2K, then by the time, to be honest, actually, by the time I hit 50, I'll be doing a six minute, <laughs> six minute 2K, but that's not going to happen. But it, the micro goals are so important. And these ones that you can allow yourself that moment of success that you can see importantly that the training has, has led to that. If you just have a macro goal, you put absolutely everything into that focus. Your, your entire world is in this ball for whether you're going to be happy or not about what you've been doing. And if, Sure, if you get it, then wow, that's amazing. But then you get the the reduced dopamine effect thing where your body, mm. you really hit that slump. Go, mm. oh, but what now? Oh. Whereas if you've existed through enjoying your training because it's given you all these micro goals, you've been getting all of these dopamine hits each time and you and you realize it's the that it's all these other bits that have led to it. Anyway, I think there's just all these different things that I look at. And, and like again, for the high rocks thing because i just did it in one hour 20 my goal for that is to get one hour 10 in the next one in october and wrapped in this is to fall in love with racing on the rolling machine again and i'm working with my fortunately my sister is a fatigue coach she's great for mental strength for i was talking to her about one of the races and she's like you have to wind back why do you no longer have that desire and it came down to my coach at the time saying to me of course you'll only ever get slower as you get older as i sat with my tail between my legs coming sixth, I think it was, in the in the last crash bees that there were. And I'm sitting in the bleachers going, I can't believe I came sixth. Luis had just beaten me for the first time ever. And my coach says to me, well, of course, you're only ever going to get slower as you get older. And it just sat in the back of my head and and was ultimately the reason why I left his world as, of, of coaching because it just, I thought, you know what, I can't put myself in someone else's hands anymore. Yeah, you you want someone who's going to support your efforts and support your dreams and goals. And I tell you, well, this is all you've got. <laughs> yeah. But you also don't want someone that just throws platitudes at you. And I think yeah. again, going back to the roll along thing, I've, I've tried to be very careful about not making my videos and going, come on, you've got this. That's it. You're doing so well. You're amazing. Because I don't know, you're on the other side of the internet on the, on YouTube. You could be breathing through your eyes during a <laughs> so um so, so i'm very careful about just trying to support people and say right right now i'm feeling tired you might also be feeling tired therefore mm. this is what to think about and it's- and quite amazingly i get a lot of people saying it's like you've got a sixth sense you just seem to know 
And and that's the beauty of 2K pacing when it comes to training is that if you do it right, everybody suffers around about the same point because Mm -hmm. 2K plus 18 for me is just as intense as 2K plus 18 for for someone with a three-minute slower 2K as me or a one-minute faster 2K. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think we need to wrap it up. I think yeah, we do need to wrap it up. This has been great, really. Thank you for having a rambling wow. conversation with us about rowing and indoor rowing. Yeah. Um, this is exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah, it's great to meet you in person. It's just such mm-hmm. a, a, you're a fun guy to watch and, and you keep it fun. So, you know, as longtime rowers, I think Rachel and I really appreciate anyone who uses the F word fun uh, and puts it with sport is it's now a, a in our books. Good, sure. good. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, like I said before, if 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 it's fun and it makes people want to row, regardless of whether it's about performance or fitness gains or or blah blah blah, if it just makes them have a little bit of fun in their day and they can disengage from life, and you know what, I've done my job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it was lovely to to meet you. I mean, you've reignited part of my love for this, which is the kind of the real digging in and just talking about rowing. I've kind of I've missed having a good chat with someone about it. So you've yeah, it's been a lovely way to spend a couple of hours. Oh, good. good. Well, thanks good. so much, John. This has been great. Okay. Well, look after yourselves and I'll hopefully see you somehow real world or virtually one day soon. Thanks, yeah. John. Yeah. Cheers. Right. Let's stay connected. Yes. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. To see photos of John and get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Listen to more episodes about everything from indoor rowing to rowing across oceans. Search the podcast archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast hyphen topics or listen on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Rachel, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. So much more. We get together live on Instagram for coffee chat every Friday at 8 a.m. West, 11 East. We talk about rowing, racing, a technique and deep dive into things like inclusion and leadership. And because sometimes we all need buddies to help get us through long workouts on the ERG, we lead 60-minute virtual workouts one Sunday morning each month. Sign up for our next workout at steadystatenetwork.com slash Sunday. This episode was written, produced, hosted, and edited by Tara Morgan and Rachel Friedman. Tara provides additional audio engineering and is our sponsor coordinator. And Rachel manages our website and social media. Our theme music is by Jonas Hipper. Between us, we have nearly 40 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience, and we run successful rowing-related enterprises. Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, which champions inclusion in the sport of rowing through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of RowSource, designing unique rowing gear for individuals, clubs, and events. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Steady State Network, Seize the Oar, and RowSource. Coming up on the next episode, our most recent Changemaker Scholarship recipients tell us about their experiences at RowCon 2023 and their visions for creating welcoming and empowering rowing communities. Catch Steady State Podcast every two weeks, anywhere you get podcasts. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks for being with us. In two, way enough. That's one, two.
in that situation with all those people, the the, the pressure of that. Um, hang on, I just lost my microphone. I'm oh, sorry. Uh-huh. Apologies. Apologies. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sound department needs to get fired again. <laughs> so, but apologies for talking quite so long, though. But you've, you 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 can tell that I do. Once you get me started, <laughs> you can't shut me up. <laughs>